spring football practice number seven is in the books. So who stood out today? You are Locked On Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Spent my morning down at Green Tree Practice Fields in Coral Gables. Got to watch the media viewing period. Got to talk to Coach Cristobal and Tyler Van Dyke afterwards. So here's what stood out to me and who stood out to me and Coach in today's practice, because keep in mind, the media does not get to watch the entire practice. We have a specific roughly half hour viewing period, mostly individual drills that we get to watch. But I think the headliner for today has got to be Francisco Maui Goa. They call him Kiko. Kiko, the transfer linebacker from Washington State, older brother of, and I want to try and pronounce their last name correctly because I butcher it all the time. Older brother of Francis Mauingoa is, I think, how you say it. But both brothers, but today especially, Kiko, the elder, continues to turn heads out there. He intercepted Tyler Van Dyke at the end of practice in team drills. I didn't get to watch that play. Coach Cristobal talked about it afterwards. Tyler Van Dyke talked about it afterwards. And for TVD, it was like, well, you know, good for him. Uh, Not great for me, but good for Kiko to get that interception. So Francisco... He's been a baller since spring football began, since coming down from Washington State. 230 pounds. He carries it very, very well. Like, he's got quality size in that linebacker room. And an interesting note at linebacker, so despite the fact that Francisco Kiko has been so good, I did notice today that Wes Besaint and Corey Flagg were the two who were lined up at the starting linebackers during the media viewing. Uh, But still, I think there's competition there. Between Kiko and Flag, I would not be shocked if Francisco ends up starting over Flag. But no matter what, I think Mauingoa is going to play a lot next season because he's really proving his worth so far on the practice field. Another name who's really been standing out, and I don't think we talk about this young man enough. I don't think we sing his praises enough in that running back room. Mario Cristobal went out of his way to talk about how good Henry Parrish has been. You know, the closed partial scrimmage on Saturday that the media did not get to watch any of. And then today in practice again today, and I was watching Parrish out there. He's really running hard and making plays. And Mario Cristobal said he's just different this year, right? Talked about how what they're seeing from Henry Parrish uh, in spring practices is a lot more like the guy, uh, you know, toting the rock at Columbus High School, Cristobal's alma mater, when he recruited him. And then, of course, they recruited him in the transfer portal from Ole Miss last year, that he's starting to run like the best version of himself once again. Mario talked about, you know, last season. And it's not to say Parrish wasn't good last season. He was the best running back on Miami's team last year, right? Uh, but why he wasn't even better last year, Cristobal mentioned the O-line being deficient and banged up last year. Uh, The O-line looks a lot better on paper. I think it's going to improve dramatically this year. And he talked about uh, Parrish was playing through some minor injuries, a lot of different nicks and bumps and bruises he was playing through last year. So, yeah, I think Parrish is going to flash this coming year. 
And I, again, I don't think we talk about Henry Parrish enough again, because like there's so much unproven untapped potential elsewhere in the running back room that we don't talk about old reliable, which is Hank Parrish because yeah, Miami's running back room is really talented on paper, but we're not going to see Trevante citizen again until fall camp at the very earliest. We're not going to have Mark Fletcher or Chris Johnson even on campus until the summer. Cause they didn't get to graduate high school early. And you know, I have sung the praises over the last couple of weeks, and I will continue to do so of Don Chaney because he's been doing well and he's healthy, but it seems like between the two of them, Henry Parrish is the clear number one running back right now, and I am expecting Henry Parrish to be Miami's opening day starter at running back, barring a major surprise. And a lot of these guys are going to get burned, okay? I'm sure we'll see if he's healthy, plenty of Chaney, Citizen, if he's healthy, I think we're going to get some run from uh, from the incoming freshmen as well, Fletcher and Johnson, because they're both just too talented to keep off the field. But I think Henry Parrish, to me, I'm expecting him to be the opening day starter at running back from Miami. Tyler Van Dyke continues to connect down the field with Colby Young. Vertical is the word of the day, because last year, everything was horizontal in the passing game. We're actually seeing them go vertical. And Van Dyke told us that, yeah, they're working on a lot more vertical stuff this year in the passing game. Uh, he's starting to feel really comfortable in Shannon Dawson's offense. You know, Tyler, who's, you know, heading into his uh, fourth season, uh, he's a fourth-year junior coming up, and, you know, he told us he's having an easier time, like, adapting to this offense, probably because of his experience levels and his growing intelligence at quarterback because this is going to be the third different offense that he's played in at Miami but you know the older and more mature he gets the easier it is for him to adapt to this kind of stuff but back to the vertical passing game the guy who Tyler has been connecting with the most down the field has been Colby Young Colby Young has been the guy so far TBD also did say that Jacoby George is doing very well in that regard getting down the field in terms of the slot um, when I'm at practice, I always enjoy watching Xavier Restrepo. Uh, he runs great routes and he never drops anything. If he can stay healthy, you know, last year he wasn't for most of the year. If X can stay healthy, he's going to have a big year this year. Uh, Cristobal did mention Brashard Smith doing very well. He's another weapon Swiss Army knife guy who can line up in the slot and really can line up anywhere for the U. And let's stay on the quarterbacks for a minute. I was watching Emory Williams again today, the early enrollee freshman. What stands out most about him is his footwork. Emory Williams, his base and his technique are so strong. You can see this young man is very well coached coming out of high school. And for my money, he's got, I, I would say, the word I would describe for his footwork is nimble. I think he has the most nimble footwork on the team I'm not saying he's the best quarterback on the team because Tyler Van Dyke is clearly that and Jakari Brown is the most athletic quarterback on the team but I do think that the raw materials are there for Emory Williams we've talked about his great lower body strength his big legs his good height I've been watching the footwork now which looks impressive I think he's going to be a future star at the college level. I think he's a future starting quarterback at the University of Miami. I really enjoyed watching him today. And footwork is something that Jakari Brown is improving on a lot, right? We talked about that with Tyler Van Dyke, and he said that really keeping the footwork consistent is the key for Jakari, who's got a strong arm and, you know, it runs incredibly well. I mean, he's just a really good football player. But as far as, like, his throwing accuracy – 
uh, really getting more consistent with his footwork, according to TVD, is the way that Jakari is going to unlock that accuracy. So he's continuing to work on that. When we come back, uh, I want to talk about the freshman tight ends who uh, I enjoyed getting a close look at today, both of them. Uh, a couple of safeties I want to talk about. And yeah, we talked about Kiko Mauingoa. I want to talk about younger brother Francis, who continues to go out there and put in the work. So you want to keep it locked right here for our spring football practice breakdown on Locked on Canes. And guys... I mean, this is the time. If you haven't signed up yet at FanDuel, I, I don't know what you're waiting for, but now is the perfect time. The tournament heating up. We're heading into the Final Four. Our Canes are in the Final Four. There is no better place to get in on all the action than FanDuel. They're America's number one sports book. It's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to one grand back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So you have nothing to lose, literally, in your first bet because you're going to get it back in bonus bets if you don't win. So just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Take a look at our Miami Hurricanes plus 5.5. So the Hurricanes are 5.5-point underdogs. Hashtag don't pick us. You've been making money on the Canes all tournament long. Why stop now? Uh, then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team's going to be cutting down that net all on an app that's safe secure and super easy to use so don't miss your shot at a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars when you join FanDuel today just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up make every moment more with FanDuel thank you so much for making locked on canes your first listen today we're available free wherever you get your podcast and we are available free on YouTube so I, I was looking at the uh this the true freshman tight ends today the early enrollees uh I saw them on the field together at the same time for the first time. I'm not sure. Uh, you guys have to forgive me because I was on vacation last week, which was week two of spring ball. I'm not sure at what point Riley Williams made his spring football debut. He didn't practice the first week. He might have practiced last week. But I finally got to watch Riley Williams and Jackson Carver on the field at the same time. These guys are towers. These guys are skyscrapers. You know, a little bit raw, both of them. But all the talent in the world and all the height in the world, uh, both are in the six foot six range and they both look good out there. Right. I'm, I'm looking at these guys and uh, we'll, we'll get a better idea, you know, in the spring game and when the season starts, how good of blockers they are. But when it comes to downfield receiving threats, it's like having a couple of basketball small forwards out there. I mean, these guys are are really, really tall. They've got good hands, both of them, uh, you know, onto the defensive side. I was standing uh, at one point a few feet away from safety Markeith Williams, number 15, early in practice. Um, this is a guy I don't talk enough about. Uh, he looks good and loose out there, and his height is really impressive in person, right? It's nice to have those big safeties. Now, you know, he doesn't have James Williams size. Like Markeith, he's listed at six foot two. He's still a little skinny, can put some more weight on, but he's listed at six foot two. He looks every bit of that, if not taller. And Mario Cristobal did mention Markeith as one of the top spring performers so far. That was a guy he went out of his way to talk about. Uh, so on the offensive line, let's spend some more time on that. We already talked about one Mauingoa, uh, the younger brother, Francis. He's been working as the starting right tackle since practice number three. OK, so the starting O-line for the past five practices has been from left to right. Jalen Rivers holding it down at left tackle. 
Javion Cohen at left guard, Matt Lee at center. And by the way, Cohen and Lee are both uh, just really, really intelligent, good football players, excellent offensive linemen, good leaders, all the stuff you want to anchor an O-line. Inez Cooper uh, at right guard, who's really looking good and big. And then Francis Malangoa at right tackle. Like you're talking about a guy who should still be in high school right now getting starters reps in practice. And Cristobal said that Francis, he's got all the tools. Uh, and he said he really likes to throw a lot at the young O linemen. And not just Francis, obviously. Francis is the guy who grabs the headlines because he's essentially starting right now. But Francis, the pancake honcho, Samson Okunlola, uh, Antonio Tripp, Cristobal mentioned him as well, that you know, he likes to, and Kinsler, like he, he he's liking to throw a lot at these guys because he wants them to play like sophomores, not freshmen. So he's putting a lot on their plates, and it sounds like all of them, especially Francis, are handling it really well. Um, speaking of the O-line, it is being reported that Zion Nelson is expected to be fully healthy by fall camp. He's had terrible injury luck, okay? He missed virtually the entire season last year. And remember, heading into last season, he was pegged as a potential first-round draft pick this year, but he was injured the entire year. So Zion is expected to be healthy by fall camp. I hope he has no setbacks. Now, if, in fact, Zion is fully ready to go for the start of the season, uh, obviously he's talented enough to be the starting left tackle on this team, assuming he's fully healthy and can work his way back and all that you're going to have a really tough decision on who to bench, right? I mean, if, if Zion Nelson comes back fully healthy, earns a starting job, presumably at left tackle, like you're going to have to bench somebody, okay? I was I was talking about this uh, between sessions with Frank Tucker from Rivals, and, and he made a good point that, you know, if you've got to take one of these guys out of the starting lineup, like my first thought was, you know, Francis, right? I mean, true freshman, give him a little more seasoning. But he made a good point that you probably, for as good as he is, you probably take Jalen Rivers out of the starting lineup. So you keep Francis at right tackle. You take Jalen Rivers out of the starting left tackle spot for Zion Nelson. And then Rivers becomes the swing guy, right? Cristobal and Mirabal like to rotate their offensive linemen. So then Jalen Rivers becomes the first O-lineman off the bench for a simple reason, versatility. Rivers can play literally every position on that offensive line. He could probably play some positions that aren't on the offensive line as well. The guy is so versatile. So, uh, you know, he can still get a ton of snaps that way, even if he's not a starter. So we'll see what happens with Zion Nelson's health. Um, going back to Tyler Van Dyke, TVD is very complimentary of that offensive line. Uh, he says that they did a really good job in the scrimmage on Saturday that we didn't get to watch, but he said that the O-line versus D-line battles in the scrimmage were really good. And, you know, Van Dyke, he emphasized, as did Cristobal, just how good Javion Cohen and Matt Lee are and how they're really helping upgrade that offensive line. And Tyler talked about how Cohen and Lee, they're both very vocal right? Calling out signals, getting everybody in the right places. I think a lot of that just comes from their veteran experience. I mean, you know, obviously Javion Cohen coming from Alabama comes from, you know, more mega powerhouse program than Matt Lee coming from UCF, but they were both playing at a really, really high level. And, you know, Lee, uh, 
you know, we had a chance to talk to Matt Lee a few weeks ago. And, you know, he's I don't know if he's like 21, 22 years old. You'd think he's 30, like he's very, you know, physically mature and, and mentally mature as well. Uh, and Javion Cohen spoke today. He described Miami's freshman linemen. Again, we talk about the tackles, Okunlola and Mauangoa. He described these guys as freakish. That was the word he used. Uh, and he's told uh, that Samson Okunlola's technique is almost pro level. And I, I had a chance to uh, to give a, a little uh, a handshake to Frankie Tinelau, who was out there watching in street clothes. And that dude's a freaking giant. <laughs> I mean, and another one, you know, Frankie Tinelau, I think is going to be a good one at the U. Probably needs just a little bit more seasoning and development than the other guys. But uh, I think he's really good. You know, we had uh, some spring practice visitors today, some of the higher profile guys. Jacksonville, Mandarin, cornerback John Mitchell, who's a top player. Uh, Westland, cornerback. I got to look at this guy. I didn't get a chance to talk to him. I did talk to one of his teammates, but Jamari Howard, who's the eighth-ranked corner in the country, or seventh-ranked, depending on which publication you look at, uh, he was out of practice today. Now, Jamari Howard, he's a Michigan State commit, uh, but, you know, local guy, loves South Florida, you know, Miami. I'm sure others will continue to fight till the very end to try and flip him from Michigan State, but he is a current Michigan State commit, one of the top 10 corners in the country. He was here visiting today. Uh, you had a couple of big-time offensive linemen visiting today. Alex Mirabal and Edwin Pata were hosting a couple of uh, a big uh, eaters from Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, Semisi Tonga and Nuku Mafi were both here today. Sign them up, man. Uh, and also, I met, I mentioned uh, Jamari Howard from Westland. I had a chance to meet and chat with a teammate, a teammate of his who was also visiting today. I uh, was actually 2023 player, unsigned right now, quarterback out of Hialeah Westland, Max Lawrence. Really, really nice dude. <laughs> Six foot three. Big hands. I haven't had a chance to study him yet on the field. I'm going to do that later on today, see whatever tape I can find of him. But I had a chance to chat with him. And I can tell you with this guy, Max Lawrence, I hope he finds a home soon. Whether it's Miami or somewhere else would probably end up a preferred walk-on somewhere. Um, he told me he's recently been in contact and visited Pitt, Wake Forest and FIU, he is hoping to make inroads at Miami. That was why he was on campus today. He said he wants to stay in South Florida if he can. You know, South Florida. He doesn't want, you don't want to go to a place like Pittsburgh in the winter. Like, I've been to Pittsburgh in March, and it was like 12 degrees. In March, can you imagine? Like, January and February must be completely uninhabitable at those times of year. So, you know, hopefully this young man ends up in South Florida somewhere, whether it's you know, Miami, FIU, FAU. I hear their basketball team's pretty good. So is ours, by the way. So I, I hope all the best for him. Uh, I want to throw out a couple of, I don't usually take requests, but I'm in a good mood today, man. I was out at Green Tree. I'm seeing some players stand out, all those, those Green Tree All-Americans out there. Uh, so I'm in a good mood today. I had a couple of people uh, reach out to me while I was on vacation. I was having some chats on, uh, on the Twitter DM. And I'm really looking forward to watching this guy when he gets on campus this summer. I recently spoke with preferred walk-on. He is a cane. He's committed to Miami. He's enrolling this summer. Offensive lineman Lucas Vargas Diaz. So he's going to arrive this summer. He's out of uh, the Houston, Texas area. He's an interior lineman. Most of his film is playing center. And I went into, after practice today, because uh, I, I wanted to talk about this young man today, I went into a 
a film vortex for Lucas Vargas Diaz. I was watching his huddle tape, and this dude was serving up pancakes, right? I mean, he was putting guys on their butts on the turf. I freaking love it, right? And listen, I don't care what someone's status is, whether you're a five-star blue chip scholarship guy or for whatever reason a preferred walk-on, can you play or can't you play? And I'm telling you, this guy, he can play, okay? And, you know, Miami and, you know, going back to Cristobal and Mirabal when they were at Oregon as well, they always do a really, really good job identifying diamond in the rough offensive line talent and then developing those guys when they get in, right? That's obviously Cristobal being a former O-lineman and O-line coach. That's his specialty. Mirabal, I think, is one of the better uh, O-line coaches in the entire country. They're great at identifying that talent that others don't see and bringing out the best in them. So for Lucas Vargas Diaz, I will say, welcome to the U. Long overdue because he committed back in December, I think. So I'm sorry it took me this long, Lucas. Uh, now, I also, this is not a, a football-related commitment, but uh, I wanted to give a welcome back. I, I got a message from one of our listeners, Stephen, who said he's a UM alum, class of 2018. Uh, he, he had to go to Auburn for medical school. Uh, I don't know if that means, like, did you have a B average at Miami? I don't know why you had to go. To, I'm so sorry you had to go to Auburn. And that that's a little jab for our guy, Zach Blackerby from Locked On Auburn. I'm sure Auburn is a fine institution. Uh, but he said he had to go to Auburn for medical school. He's graduating this May. And then a couple weeks ago, he found out that he matched into a UM residency program. So he's going to be coming back to the U. So here we go. Steven. Welcome back to the U. And I'm so sorry you had to spend the last few years in Auburn. That must have been very, very painful for you. You know, I've never been to the state of Alabama. I don't think. I've never driven through. I've, met, I've flown over it probably on airplanes, but I've never been to the state of Alabama. I've been to Tennessee. I've been to Georgia. I've been to Louisiana. I just I skip over Alabama completely. I, you know, I don't know if I'm missing anything. You guys let me know in the comments if I'm missing anything. I want to talk a little basketball when we come back. Yes, keep it locked to Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. And guys, after you make us your first listen, Make sure to make Locked On College Basketball your second listen. Isaac Shade and Andy Patton, they take you around the college basketball landscape and they do it at a high level. Just like our show, you can find Locked On College Basketball, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, they're going to give the Canes some love because Miami is in the Final Four. You notice, though, that none of the so-called experts are giving Miami any love, right? Every single game picker for ESPN is picking the UConn Huskies. I know that's a really good team, but I will remind you, a lot of people picked Drake to upset Miami in the opening round. Everyone picked Indiana over Miami. Literally everyone picked Houston over Miami. And then everyone picked Texas over Miami. In fact, I was listening to the CBS broadcast. I usually like Jim Nance, but oh man, they were so over the top for Texas. Like even though Miami actually won the game, you would have thought Texas won the game with the way that the CBS commentators were talking about them. I thought it was, you know, very 
very biased uh, commentary. And so Jim Laranega has got a team back in the final four, did it with George Mason. He's doing it now with Miami and, you know, Miami's mantra all tournament long before the tournament even started hashtag don't pick us. And yeah, outside of me and probably some of you guys who love the Canes outside of us, nobody's picking Miami to advance past UConn. Now, I do believe, and no disrespect to FAU, who that's an amazing story, or San Diego State, that's a cool story as well. No disrespect to either of them, but just based on how the lineups have performed, the efficiency ratings, the way Miami's played, the way UConn's played, and yeah, UConn's been awesome. I kind of consider the UConn versus Miami game, that's the national championship game, isn't it? I mean... Very likely, whoever comes out of the late game on Saturday between the Huskies and the Hurricanes, whoever comes out victorious in that game, more than likely going to be heavily favored against either FAU or San Diego State. And it's got to be one of these things. And the entire team knows it. The entire coaching staff knows it. Miami is going to have to be at their very best in every aspect of the game in order to win these next two to cut down the nets, right? Because there have been some games where the three-point shooting from Pack and Wong and Wuga has been lights out, right? And then maybe, you know, you're not getting your best from some of the inside guys, right? Or there's a game where you're knocking down clutch free throws and Jordan Miller is in his bag. And my guy, Norchad Omir, despite being in foul trouble, is playing incredibly well down the stretch of that game and not fouling out. Uh, and you can win a game against a great team like Texas despite only hitting two three-pointers. But you're going to have to have all of that, I believe, to get past the UConn Huskies. You're going to have to have Isaiah Wong actually playing consistently like the ACC Player of the Year because he's been very hot and cold throughout this tournament. Jordan Miller, I don't know if you're ever going to go 7-for-7 seven seven from the floor and 13-of-13 13 13 from the free throw line ever again. That hadn't been done in 31 years since Christian Leitner did it, so he's probably not doing that again. But yeah, Jordan Miller, who I believe is the glue that holds this team together, has got to be his usual great self. Um, Omir can't be picking up a foul like the first three seconds of the game and having Jim Laranega play like musical chairs with the lineup because, you know, you're going to need Omir to stay out of foul trouble and not have to look over his shoulder every time he plays defense. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's going to have to be a perfect storm. Do I believe Miami is capable of getting past UConn? Absolutely. And I will be picking Miami to win the game, but it's going to be difficult. And you could say the same for UConn. I mean, Miami is the type of team nobody, Huskies included, wants to face right now so you better believe we'll be talking more about the final four throughout the week I'm, I'm trying to track down uh, you know travel schedule pending because obviously he goes on the road with the team but we're hoping to talk to Joe Zygacki later in the week the voice of the Miami Hurricanes I I want them to win a natty for Joe Z I want them to win a national I want Joe Z to be cutting down that net next Monday uh, so we're going to talk more basketball throughout the week uh, make sure if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast to hit subscribe, uh, and if you could leave us a five-star review, that would be awesome. And if you're watching the video version on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to our channel, Locked on Canes on YouTube, and hit that thumbs up button. Make sure to like this video. We'll talk to you guys next time on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.